This is Fight Night with Peter Rosenberg on 98.7 ESPN. Fighting. That's the kind of music you hear. Yeah, you're thinking Karate Kid. You're thinking Rocky Three. You're thinking now listen, uh you you're thinking Rocky Four. Alright, the Drago fight. You want to talk about a mega fight? The mega fight of all mega fights. Rocky versus Drago from the Soviet Union? I mean it's the setup for everything. It's fight night with Peter Rosenberg, and of course, we're counting down to uh the big top rank card on ESPN, which is coming up on ESPN television at nine o'clock down the street at the garden. I'm at Versa right here on uh, West 35th Street, and when you talk about big fights, you talk about a man who loves boxing, and though you think of him for NBA and you think of him for his hot takes, in the heart and soul of this Queens kid is a guy who just loves a big fight. Am I right, Stephen A. Smith? Oh, you're right about that, man. How you doing, Peter? How's everything, man? I'm pretty good, man. How are you? I was watching um, I was watching your conversation with Bud Crawford this week, and I really felt you about you know how impactful, no matter how much we love all the big major four sports there's nothing like a big fight night and let's be honest you know tonight isn't an, a, a mega fight but it does involve a fighter in terrence crawford who could be at the centerpiece of a mega fight in the future just how great do you think terrence bud crawford might be oh i think he's number one pound for pound in the world right now and i'd like to see him you know i'm very disappointed in errol spence jr because obviously he's a great fighter and that's the block office pay-per-view fight that we would have loved to have seen in 2020, Crawford versus uh, Errol Spence Jr. for the welterweight crown. Uh, but after he won his last fight, uh, he went out there, got behind the wheel of a car, inebriated, and obviously got into a crash. We wish him nothing but the best and a speedy recovery, but it wasn't an accident that even though he almost killed himself in that one-car accident, that he was still charged with driving under the influence. Having said all of that, that's not a mistake that uh, Terrence Crawford has made. He's beat all comings like 35-0 and 0 with 26 KOs. Uh, he can fight conventional. He can fight southpaw. He's got power in both hands. He's got incredible boxing skills. And when you consider the history of the welterweight division and, you know, what it is right now with him, with Spence, with Sean Porter, with, uh, you know, Keith Thurman, Manny Pacquiao, David Garcia, and others, and then you hear that Floyd Money Mayweather is coming out of retirement in 2020, mm-hmm. it could make for very, very interesting fights down the line. And and I got to admit, I'm really, really excited about it. Now, you, you now your partner, Max Kellerman, who we all know, no one knows more about boxing than that man. Max, Ted, Teddy Atlas. They, that's, they, that's, about the only, that's about the only thing he knows definitively. <laughs> Everything else is debatable, but he definitely knows his boxing. But go ahead. So, so the, those guys kind of laughed in your face and shut you down about the idea of Floyd Mayweather and Terrence Crawford ever getting in the ring. But you are a connected guy. I mean, you know Floyd. We know that. I've seen you on the plane. It, do you think there's a chance that if at 42 years old, Floyd would actually take a risky, risky fight like Terrence Crawford? I think he would. Uh, me personally, I don't think that I, I'm not saying that it wouldn't be a mistake because Terrence Crawford is the best and he's an absolute monster. But you have to remember, Floyd believes he's the best that ever did it. He believes he's greater than Sugar Ray Robinson, Sugar Ray Leonard, Tommy the Hitman Hearns, uh, Roberto Duran, the list goes, Wilfredo Benitez, the list goes on and on and on. He thinks that he's better than all of these guys because to him, it's not about the knockout. 
when he was at a lighter weight, he was taking people out as he moved up the weight and continuously had hand issues in terms of broken balls in his hands and things of that nature. He says that's when his knockout rate dwindled. But, you know, he brags about the fact that he's going into fights with one hand and still beat dudes because they couldn't touch him because he's such a brilliant boxer in his mind. And to him, the best ever. To me, the best defensive fighter ever. Um, he's the kind of guy that says, excuse me, it's my job to go in there and I'll box you, not to knock you out, but to put on a boxing clinic. And he believes that he has the skills necessary in order to do it. And there's no wear and tear with him because he's barely been touched throughout his illustrious career. So that's how he thinks about it. And that's his approach to it all. Do I think that he'll come out of retirement and just jump in? No, but I do believe there's a reason he, he went on social media about three weeks ago and announced he's coming out in 2020. I think he sees the possibility of a mega fight out there down the line. And I don't believe for one second that he would elect to come out of retirement to not fight anybody because I think he knows that people look at him and, you know, the the kind of the couple of fights that he had where they ultimately spent their money and they didn't get what they came to see. I think he knows that nobody's going to go for that. Now, he'd have to be in a mega fight to get the money that he wants. Now, one one mega fight that could happen, though, Stephen, that I would my my personal thought would be the more realistic would be Manny Pacquiao, who's now coming off of a very impressive win. And all of a sudden, a guy who just a couple of, you know, a year and a half ago, we had him on ESPN against Jeff Horn. I remember watching you that night, and we thought Manny Pacquiao was basically finished. He's now coming off of a big win. Don't you think that could be maybe the realistic big money play is to do that again? Well, I think it's very realistic that Floyd could come out of retirement and that'd be his first fight. I think that I'm not talking about, you know, not Terrence Crawford. I'm saying that, you know what, he wouldn't fight Terrence Crawford first. I don't believe that. I think he thinks there would be a big money fight with him and Manny Pacquiao. I don't, I, the, the Floyd Mayweather that I've spoken to, and he and I haven't spoken in about a year and a half or so, mm-hmm. but the Floyd Money Mayweather that I've spoken, actually a little less than that, but the Floyd Money Mayweather that I have spoken to, he's not fighting again for less than nine figures. Mm-hmm. So his mentality is whoever's going to generate nine figures for me, I'll get in there and I will school him. I think he believes he can get nine figures again to fight Manny Pacquiao, which I think is plausible because we all know that Manny Pacquiao is going to show up to fight no matter what. But I also think that it's entirely plausible and possible that if he looks brilliant in that fight and somebody like a Terrence Crawford is there and it's another nine-figure payday, I would not put it past Floyd Money Mayweather to take that fight. Fight night with Peter Rosenberg right here at Versa, 35th Street, just down the street from the Garden, where tonight's top-ranked boxing, Terrence Brug Crawford, headlining. It's going to be a big night. It's all on TV on ESPN at 9 o'clock. Talking to Stephen A. Smith. Stephen, did you dial in last week for the Anthony Joshua Andy Ruiz bout? And are you excited about what we have ahead in the heavyweight division? No, I'm not. Uh, Really? No, no, no. I'm excited about Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury. Anthony, Anthony Joshua, a guy that's impossible not to like because he's such an incredibly, incredibly nice guy, Peter. He Here's the problem. I saw Andy Ruiz take him out in the first fight, knock him down four times. Okay? Here's my problem with it. You can make an argument, and I told this to Max the other day, that Deontay Wilder is the Tommy Hitman Hearns of the heavyweight division. We all know that Tommy Hitman Hearns, that right with the die for, he could put you to sleep. Deontay Wilder connects with anybody 
It's lights out. Mm-hmm. And Anthony Joshua got taken out by Andy Ruiz. He got taken out. I mean, he got dropped by Vladimir Klitschko. He's got a questionable chin. I you agree. cannot have a questionable chin and go in there and be expected to take a punch from Deontay Wilder. I think the only exciting part about it is that we haven't really, really seen Deontay Wilder take a punch from a boxer with a punch like Anthony Joshua, but there is no question that Anthony Joshua would not be able to take a punch from him. So I'm not happy about that. I look at a guy like Tyson Fury. I think that he is a superb boxer as a heavyweight. Um, and I think that there's reason to be really excited about that fight. Um, I looked at Ortiz. I knew Deontay Wilder was going to take him out the second go-round. That happened. We saw all of that. Who else is in the heavyweight division that we can point to? I mean, Andy Ruiz is a really good boxer. But here's what my disappointment was about him. Remember when I called him out because he looked like Jabba the Hutt. He looked all fat, had bigger breasts than Lord knows what. Here's my issue. I never said he couldn't fight. I never said he didn't have a punch. I never said he shouldn't be respected. But the fact of the matter is when you looked at Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder before that Joshua Ruiz first fight, you had mega fight in your sights. You were dreaming about it. When you saw Andy Ruiz take him out, that diminished the luster of that significantly. And then you see Ruiz come back in a second fight against Anthony Joshua. And what does he do? He is 283 pounds. It was bad enough he was what he was in the first fight, which was 268. (laughs) But he's 283 in the second fight. He's talking about it was too much time. He was enjoying himself too much. This is a guy that was virtually unknown before that fight. How in the hell was such sight that you had available to you on the horizon, such fights rather, that you would turn around and let yourself go like that? I'm just so disappointed in him, and I'm disappointed in the heavyweight division outside of Deontay Wilder because of him, because Joshua's chin is suspect, and Tyson Fury is going to be in the WWE before the rematch in February. Now, it's such a great point, Stephen, and I don't know how with the blueprint before him that we've seen. You know, Andy Ruiz literally just followed in the footsteps of Buster Douglas. I mean, you've seen this movie before. Yeah. He did the exact same thing. He comes in completely out of shape, and he allowed Anthony Joshua to just fight his fight. He's in such better physical condition. Joshua looked maybe the best he's ever looked, kept his distance, didn't really impress anyone, but definitively wins. So I think you're right. Instead of us sitting around thinking about what the future is going to look like, the future is Wilder and and Fury. That is the big fight. That is it. That is it. There's no other big fight. Listen. You saw Anthony Joshua keep his distance and box running from Andy Ruiz, who was considerably shorter and obviously significantly more rotund. What is he going to do in a fight where the right hand of Deontay Wilder is waiting for him? Now, Stephen, I got to ask you, how how psyched are you about this Knicks winning streak we got going? That's two straight games, buddy, on the West Coast. I don't give a damn. I'm so disappointed in the Knicks. Um, it's hard to put in the words because, you know, it, it, listen, they, they, they don't even have the decency to wait until after Christmas to remind us that they stink. And that's my problem. We know they're not that good, and I understand that. And, again, you know, some, some of the talent, it's not like they don't have any talent on the squad. They have talent that, individually speaking, you can put on championship squads, and they can make a contribution. It's not that these guys can't play. The problem with it is that these guys collectively 
how they're built. It's just not that impressive. It really, really isn't. And so when you look at it from that perspective, it's like really, really, really disappointing that they would be that way. But it is what it is. Um, and now you find yet another coach, and Dolan is still around. And Steve Mills, God bless him, is still around. Those are the two that have been around since 2003. And you look at it from that perspective, and you're saying to yourself, okay, who's the next coach going to be? Are you going to be able to attract any, you know, marquee guys that make them want to come here and be a part of this franchise? I don't see that happening, and that's what makes it so unfortunate. Do you? That's just because of the truth. There were there were rumors yesterday that people believe Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy are actually the front runners to get this job. Do you, do you believe that could be true for either Mark or I Jeff? I don't believe it. I don't believe it because I think that Steve Mills and Scott Perry are doing what they're doing. And in Steve Mills' case, uh, again, he's been connected at the hit with James Dolan for quite some time, and I just don't think that that's a level of power that he wants to he wants to surrender. I think that. You know, when I say Mark Jackson, and I believe wholeheartedly that he should be the next head coach of the New York Knicks, it really doesn't have that much to do with basketball. It has everything to do with the fact that in Dolan, you do not trust. And anything connected to him, you don't trust. And so as a result of that reality, you have to have the face of a franchise that's speaking to folks. And speaking to folks in such a fashion as a native New Yorker, that that went to high that started high school here that started at at, at uh, St. John's University that was a rookie of the year candidate or I'm sorry one rookie of the year for the New York Knicks you see all of that and when Mark Jackson speaks you're going to listen to him and you're going to give him the benefit of the doubt because he's one of us and you know he you're not going to buy into anything that James Dolan is selling but you will buy into what he's selling because you know he doesn't play that. And that's what New Yorkers need. You need somebody that's the face of the franchise, that's communicating with the media every single day, who you believe and who you trust and who you're inclined to to give patience to and to give the benefit of the doubt to. That is not anybody but Mark Jackson right now, and that's the problem. Stephen A., thank you for the good stuff. Enjoy your Saturday night. I'm sure you're about to pour yourself a nice tall glass of red wine, maybe eat some expensive yes. fish. <laughs> this is Something the kind like of thing that. I picture Stephen A. Smith doing on a Saturday night. That's right. Don't worry. Don't you worry about it. I'm going to look for, and I'm going to look forward to watching this Crawford fight as well. Yeah, me too. I really, and I really think the fight of the night is going to be Comez, Tiafimo, uh, versus Tiafimo Lopez. I think that's going to be a really good one. Stephen A., thank you, man. You know what? That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't underestimate Comey in that fight. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Lopez is the real deal, but it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with him and Comey. I'm looking forward to that as well. Stephen, thank you, man. Thank you. This is Fight Night with Peter Rosenberg on 98.7 ESPN. Fight Night with Peter Rosenberg, live from Versa, 218 West 35th Street. We're hanging out right here in Manhattan, uh, just a block away um, from Madison Square Garden, where all the big top-ranked fights are happening tonight. And the fight that I may be most excited about would be Richard Comey against Tiafimo Lopez. Um, this is going to be an exciting, exciting fight. And Tiafimo Lopez, one of the most highly regarded young fighters in boxing. He's from Brooklyn, and I caught up with him a few days ago. Here's my interview with Tiafimo Lopez. It's going down. 
Top Rank Boxing, December 14th, Madison Square Garden. Arguably the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world, Terrence Crawford, has a big fight. And on that same card, Teofimo Lopez up against Richard Comey. And Teofimo is here right now. How are you, man? I'm doing great, man. How are you? Uh, I'm good, man. It's a pleasure to meet you. First of all, you are uh, certainly one of the most talked-about fighters in the sport right now. I am. That's I. That <laughs> no, there's just, a lot of conversation around you right now. No, that's good though. That's good. A that's lot of people. Uh, you. The, the one thing that you will find about Teofimo, if you if you look him up, is that you are on the path, supposedly on the fast track to one day challenging Lomachenko. Yeah. Is that what? Is that the path that you? I mean, you're a title holder yourself, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um. Is that the path that you very, um, are very serious about being on? Yeah, 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 no, absolutely. I mean, we wouldn't be doing all this if it wasn't for my whole thing is honestly just trying to make big fights happen. Make the, I like to challenge myself. Uh, you know, people, if anybody, if anyone out there, they, they feel a certain type of way, they feel that this fighter's, uh, the best. I want to prove that, hey, I'm the best, you know, and I'm better. So, you know, fighting guys like Richard Comey and getting through Hadam and going into Vasily Lomachenko, I'm going to do it, you know, and, He's got all three belts, you know, um, and trying to collect all four before I move to 140. And uh, tell us about Comey first. What do you expect from him? Uh, Richard Comey, if not a lot of people know about him, uh, he's a two-time world champion. You know, uh, he's all around the most, if not the hardest hitter in 135-pound division. And uh, his record shows for it. You know, uh, he's 32 years of age. And um, he's coming and bring his A game. So I know that for a fact that, you know, this is his second time uh, defending his title, you know, and um, it's going to be a great fight, man. A lot of people are really excited and they're really happy to see this fight. They want to, and they really marked it down in their, in their calendar, you know, for a reason. Now, you, have you always fought at 135? Um, yeah, actually, I fought at 132 in the amateurs and then I moved up to 35 um, three years ago. Now, Lomachenko, you know, as someone who's worked his way up, um, and now you guys would be in the right spot to meet at 135. Do you think Lomachenko is comfortable and effective at 135? I feel as if, I mean, he may be small at 35, but he's, uh, he's shown that he's been trying, you know, he's been holding his own at 35, you know, and what, what um, should his, what, sh- what do you think when you look at Lomachenko, his fight weight should be? I feel like he's a 126, he's a natural 126 pound fighter. Right. You know, small guy. And and how much does he impress you? Because, I mean, let's let's be full transparency. You're with Top Rank. This is a big ESPN fight card um, in December. Lomachenko has kind of been the face of ESPN boxing since they really jumped into boxing. Mm-hmm. Now Tyson Fury as well in the heavyweight division. But there's a lot of talk about Lomachenko. But you for, a Lomachenko fan? Well, here's the thing. I can see it. No, no, no. You're actually going to be surprised where I go. Okay. So I've watched Lomachenko fight many times, maybe half of his professional fights. But as a, as, as, as someone who I, I consider myself not to be a boxing expert, but a casual, solid fan of the sport, I'll tell you the truth. I've never been that familiar with his competition. Mm-hmm. Are you impressed with who Vasil Lomachenko has beaten along the way? I'm not, uh, I'm not gonna, you know, um, bash him. You know, he's a three time, um, three time weight division champion for a reason, you know, but overall, man, I'll be real with you is, is, is honestly, he hasn't, I just think that, you know, he's fought tough guys, don't get me wrong, but I just feel like. But I feel like it hasn't been a marquee name, that moment that, that, that. But it's hard, you have to make a name for yourself, and a lot of these fighters don't get it. They don't get it, you know, Tyson Fury gets it, 
you know, Deontay Wilder gets it. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's only a few guys out there. And that's in terms of in terms of doing more, <laughs> having doing more than needs to be right. done. Not just fighting well. Not just fighting, getting the win done, having your hand raised, and just walk away and thank you. And I pre- I appreciate it and that's it and walk away. You got to do something more exciting. Uh, do what, whatever it is that, that is um, different. You know, and that's what I bring to the table. People want to see these fights happen with myself against any type of fighter. Komei, Vasily Lomachenko, any of those guys. I can make even the guys at 140 and make it a big fight. Now I'm not saying that I'm the kingpin or anything. I still got a long. I still got a lot to work. You're only on. 22 years old. And I'm only 22, but we making noise, and for a reason. The backflips, the Fortnite dance, um, and and converting into that where ESPN brings in with the play, uh, with the consoles, PlayStation and Xbox, where you could download the app on ESPN. And by the way, if, if you're wondering, if you're if you're wondering where does a kid sort of get this charisma, where do, you know of, of the dances and realizing there's more to do, you are of course from Brooklyn, New York. Absolutely, man. You get it from that. Where what better way? <laughs> now, hey. are, are you the garden? Whenever there's a fight at the Garden, when people start hearing as the night goes on, and you'll be later in the night, of course, very close to the main event. Yes. When people hear from Brooklyn, New York, you know you're going to have a special reaction in the building. What does it mean to you? What's it going to mean to have such a prominent fight in that building? I fought five times at Madison Square Garden. And I got to say, every time I fight there, it's, it's bigger, it's better. And it's a lot different, man. It's just, it's the magnitude of it is just, it's remarkable, man. Honestly, the best feeling in the whole world. If you're, if you're an entertainer, anything, that is the place to go. Now you are on a packet. You are on a, by the way, this fight airing on ESPN, uh, immediately after the Heisman Trophy presentation, December 14th, live from Madison Square Garden, top rank boxing. Now you fought several years ago on a Pacquiao card, correct? Uh, undercard three, three years ago. Three years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm guessing you were. Significant- it feels long. It feels long. And how far down the card were you? Uh, I was the first one. First one of the I, day. No, I think I was the either the first or the second. Yeah. So I liken it almost. You know, I, I come from the music world, and I liken it to when uh, an artist is excited because mm-hmm. they get to go on a big uh, arena tour, opening for a huge act. Mm-hmm. But the huge act comes on at nine thirty, and they're on stage at seven o'clock. When people are first coming in, yeah, they have not their really, drink, not really getting not the, focused not, yet. Not focused. What's it like when you're when you're fighting in a huge venue, but the building's not at all full yet? You gotta, you gotta get there. You gotta work. It's and you gotta keep. Is it moving. weird? Does it's it feel not, quiet? Can you feel that it's, it's quiet? You got your. You know the thing is like it's it's quiet. It could be at times, but you got everyone goes through it. Everybody. You got to start somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so, you started in places much smaller than that. I mean, uh, oh, absolutely. So, so I mean, but fighting on that, you know, my pro debut was in the Pacquiao Vargas card, which was big in Vegas. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody would love to wish to fight in Vegas. Was it MGM? Huh? Nah, it was um <clears throat> at the UNLV. It was UNLV. the UNLV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the UNLV. That's where they had it because during the time, top rank was. Um, they were free. They were free agent at the time. They Got had it. no collaborators. No, I remember when there were a few fights back yeah, at UNLV. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Now, uh, we, we said you're from Brooklyn. Um, what what uh, what country of origin? What's your country of origin? Um, I'm Honduran and Spaniard. Hond- and and Spanish from Spain. Yeah, Spanish. Yeah. Um, and you're married, just 22 years old. When did you get yeah. married? I got married uh, three days after the uh tally fight that happened at Madison Square Garden April 23rd I um I got married. Wow, cool. Congrats. Uh, and that was on the Crawford card as well. That was on another Crawford card. Yeah, April 20th. Um 
And also, you were telling me I asked you off the air what your nickname is, and you acted a little <laughs> acted a little sheepish about it. And you told me that your nickname growing up was Gordo. Yeah, because you know, like fans out there, they'll probably call me Gordo. I usually get that just more. That's more intimate. You know uh, and I mean? and where did it come from? Because looking at you now, I'm you, still Gordo. You, you don't see. Maybe you're a mentally Gordo, but you don't seem fat in real life. So were you were you a heavy set kid growing up? Oh, absolutely. Well, not growing. Um, from probably like I was a fat kid all the way to maybe like two years old, three years old. Oh, so yeah, little, so yeah, a baby. Little. I was a baby. Yeah, I was a baby. Yeah, I mean, everyone's gordo when they're a baby. Yeah, but I was. I mean, a gordo. I was <laughs> gordito. I was. You're I was big boy. Gordito for real. Yeah. Um. So after this fight, what are the next steps between right now and Vasily Lomachenko? Uh, you know, we don't want to look over. You know, we don't want to look past and overlook Richard Comey, but. See, Dios get it. Like, if everything all goes well and everything as it should, you know, training camp has been great. Um, it looks like, you know, we're still, we're in the talks. Hopefully the fight happens. You know, on my side, I'm all in, you know, but, uh, after the Comey fight, um, somewhere in April, mid-April, me and Lomachenko, all four belts. That's, that's, you know, finish with a bang, start with a boom. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Um, and you're right. Of course, you can't look past Comey on December 14th. Uh, your favorite fighters coming up, biggest influences for you. Uh, favorite fighters coming up? Mm-hmm. No, no, your favorite fighters when you were coming. Oh, up. Oh, when I was coming, I was like, I don't have any right now. <laughs> You're focused on like, you. I, I'm cool with. Uh, I like uh, Tyson Fury. That's my guy, man. He, he's mad cool. But overall, uh, growing up, Floyd Mayweather, um, Muhammad Ali, Pernell Whitaker. May he rest in peace. Yeah, man. That was a, um, that was a, a really sad loss. Yeah, yeah, in case nobody knows, the sweet pea boy, um, Mike Tyson. Definitely, Mike Tyson for his uh, his rage. That's that rage I have inside that keeps me going. Now, you did you grow up in a boxing household? No, 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 I didn't. I didn't grow up in a boxing household. So no household. parents that really pushed uh, you into my, it? No, nah, not, not necessarily, no. Um, my father was, he was actually into soccer. That was his thing. He was playing for like 30 years, close to 30 years. Wow. Soccer. Yeah, since he was like a little kid. Because in Honduras, during that time, he was out there. That's all they knew, and that's all they play is soccer. And uh, my father, yeah, he used to fight a lot in the streets and everything. It's things like my father and... He tried to convert it, convert it into boxing. He learned the hard way that it's not easy. Um, oh, he tried and it didn't yeah, work out. Yeah, he tried it didn't work out. <laughs> um, and you know, once we moved, once we moved, uh, location, he, um, he always brought me to the gym. I used to go to Gleason's gym. I used to go to Red Hook boxing gym and everything like that with him. And I was real small. But anyways, cut to it. Uh, I don't know. It just happened naturally, man. Honestly. Uh, who hit you the hardest so far in your career? I can't really say, man. Have you had your bell? I don't remember. <laughs> it's been that hard of a hit. Have there? Have you had your bell wrong? Really wrong? Yeah. No, 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 no. I've been hit hard. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I mean, we all gonna get hit. Right. Yeah, but I've never been to the point where I've buckled or fell, or or certainly been out on your feet in any way. Out of my feet anyway. So does that? When I talk to young fighters who haven't been through that experience yet. Is it something you No, think- don't get me wrong. Like, when you go into sparring and everything. So you've had it happen in sparring. I've had not clipped on my chin. I could take a punch. Nah. All day. Take a punch. But it does, is that something but that you think about? Because almost I've every been, fighter you love at some time, point got caught. Last time I've been hurt, honestly, I was like 16 with a body shot. That was about last it time. It really was a body yeah, shot. And was it, it was regaining, was it regaining your breath that made it hard? Uh, yo, when you get hit with a body shot, I don't care who you are, how hard you try to tighten your, your, your abs and, how much you do, how many sit-ups you do. You get hit with the right shot at the right time, in the right spot, you're going down. And and what's what is that feeling though? Is it is it uh, pain or is it breath? It's you can't breathe, you can't you can't you can't talk. Yeah, man, it's scary. But that was the last time, man, ever since I learned my lesson. 
you go through all these things, man. You learn through all those things, and that's what I did. All uh, all the experience from the amateurs converting into the pros, um, the numerous rounds of sparring I've done, 17 years in the game. Um, man, yeah, you'll, you'll learn from all those. Well, listen, uh, thank you for coming by to hang out. I wish you the best of luck. December 14th, Lopez Comey on that Crawford undercard. Madison Square Garden, top-ranked boxing on ESPN. Uh, Brooklyn, stand up. We expect to see you at the Garden. Tiafimo, pleasure, man. Hey, don't miss it, man. December 14th, Madison Square Garden. You guys can't be there. You're squared. Um, watch it on ESPN, though. Hey, can't, can't miss it, man. Appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. Cheers. This is Fight Night with Peter Rosenberg on 98.7 ESPN. This is his era hip hop. Fight Night. Yeah, that's right. Fight Night. With Peter Rosenberg. This song, guys, let me tell you something. This song was played at so many fights. I mean, it still is. I mean, I'll probably hear it tonight. For whoever's DJing in the garden, I'll probably hear Mama Said Knock You Out. Um, shout out to LL Cool J. Queen's own. Um, now, um, let's go to Canada's own. Canada's finest. Montreal's finest. And the finest MMA journalist in the world. He is... Currently covering, on site, covering UFC 245, Ariel Helwani. Ariel, how the hell are you? Wow, what a great honor this is. I mean, for the longest time, I felt like my friends, I mean, my essential adopted hometown network, 98.7 FM, just didn't want to have me on, just wanted nothing to do with the Helwani business. Here I am, fight night, Saturday night, with the great Peter Rosenberg. I mean, this is amazing. What a great honor. Thank you for is having it, me. Is it, but is it problematic that, like, you know, we're trying, I, I believe you should be on this radio station more often. Is it problematic that every time you're on, you're just always with me? Yes, you know, uh, you said it, not me. It's kind of the elephant in the room. I'm with you like the odd Saturday night here or there. Still haven't gotten called up to the big time, which, of course, is, you know, the show, the Michael K. show, all that stuff. By the way, when are they going to put your name on that show? That's I mean, a great point. Hey, could, I mean, can we address people... the elephant in the room where, like, I mean, you kind no, of, to. ever we since you to. came, the ratings have gone up? Should oh, we say God. it, or is I that... Mean, no, listen, that... listen, there's a okay. reason pe people call me the reason for a reason. But, I mean, hey, um, Ariel... Uh, where, first of all, where exactly are you as we speak right now? I am literally inside T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Sin City, the final UFC pay-per-view of the decade. There have been 134 UFC pay-per-views this decade. This is 135, three title fights on the card. So I'm literally in the arena. I just walked out of our set to go into this little hallway here to speak to you. And by the way, they initially told me to do 98.7. I was like, eh, I'm busy. But then they said Peter Rosenberg, and I said, mm -hmm. holy smokes, hold all calls. I'm there. I appreciate that. And I'll tell you what, I'm actually, it's a bit of a quandary for me because I'm going to the garden to watch the fight. I'm very excited for Comey Lopez. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Bud Crawford. But I kind of want to hustle home to see this main event. There's so much hubbub around Colby Covington and Kamara Usman. How, how good of an actual fight is it going to be? Okay, well, what a shock that you love this fight because this is essentially a WWE <laughs> fight, right? I mean, right. Colby Covington is straight out of central casting as far as WWE characters are concerned. And quite frankly, I'm surprised that Vincent Company haven't ripped off Colby Covington yet. He's been that good at the gimmick. And everyone has been all up in arms this week. Oh, it's just a gimmick. He exposed himself. He's not really this kind of guy. I say hogwash. I say he is this guy. And I say the bad blood between them is real. And I think it's a phenomenal fight on paper. If you want to strip away all the drama, the beef, all that stuff, just on paper, 15-1 and one against 15-1, and one, 
these guys combined, I think they, they fought together. Um, they've, they've fought like 60 or so rounds combined in the UFC. They've lost, I believe, off the top of my head, three. Uh, they, they are dominant. If you saw Colby's last fight in August in Newark, uh, the amount of punches that he landed, over 500, the output, the cardio, the pace was incredible. But what's so interesting about this fight is typically when you have two wrestlers – who go toe-to-toe, two you know, great collegiate wrestlers who actually compete against each other in an MMA fight. They actually cancel each other out, and it becomes a kickboxing match. A wrestling match becomes a kickboxing-slash-boxing match. So I'm really curious to see if their wrestling will negate each other and that the fight will actually predominantly be standing. I think that's going to happen. Now, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, and this is why I wanted to talk to someone who, who knows so much about this sport. When you think of Usman, you think about his total domination of Tyron Woodley, which before that, you just didn't really, for me, it was hard to even envision that someone could shut him out the way he shut out Woodley. So when I think of that, I think if you get on the ground, you don't want to play around with Kamara Usman, but Covington is just as, as dangerous. Do they cancel each other out inherently, or does one of them, if it goes that way, have an advantage there? Rosenberg, I love you, but who wrote these questions for you? You don't have this kind of – where does this insight come from? All of a sudden, you're an MMA expert talking about Tyron Woodley. Where is this coming from, Rosenberg? Have you been kayfaving me this whole time and you actually know no, a whole that's lot one fight. That, listen, me... that's one fight I paid very close attention to because we had Woodley wow. on the show. I never thought Woodley would lose. Every time I watched him, he was dominant. And I'm sitting there watching this guy, Kamara Usman, who at the time I've never heard of, and I'm going, he won't even let – I like felt bad for Woodley. I mean, it was such a dominant performance. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't show up, and uh, I felt bad for him, too, because it seemed like he was stuck in neutral the entire fight, and he was like one fight away from potentially getting this Colby fight because the, the feud actually started with Tyron, and then once Tyron lost, Colby kind of shifted his attention to Kamaro. Kamaro actually owes Colby Covington a debt of gratitude because uh, Kamaro isn't the kind of guy right now that has connected with the fans and the audience. No one's really emotionally invested in his journey. Everyone wants to see Colby lose, and he doesn't care about that. He just wants you to pay to watch him fight. He just wants you to pay tickets, pay pay-per-view, all that stuff and more. And so as a result of that, because everyone hates Colby Covington, everyone now loves Kamaru Usman. And so when they had their face-off and their press conference at MSG last month, everyone was cheering Usman. He never cheered that much in his entire life. And so what makes this fun is that all of a sudden Usman has become the white knight and Colby is the heel and he's playing up to it. But I think with Covington's output and his pace and his cardio and his striking accuracy, I know he's known for his wrestling, but the man just doesn't miss. I think Kamaru's in for a tough fight. If Colby shows up, I'm leaning towards Covington tonight. Now, um, on, on the card, you, it's a big card. You also have Max Holloway, and we have uh, Amanda Nunes. Can we talk Nunes about to... Mike Miller, coach of the year? Can no, 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 not yet. Hold on. Chris I'll give Lane? you a Knicks moment huh. at the end. Sorry. Hold on, hold on. Sorry, but, sorry, tell, sorry, sorry. but tell me, Max Holloway, uh, Nunes, what's the other fight that if you're forking over the big money and that they do charge big money for these pay-per-view cards, what what is the what is the other fight you're paying for tonight? Okay, so we have three title fights on this card. Like I said, just the fifth time in UFC history that this has happened. The other times, by the way, uh, UFC 33, 205, 214, 217. I just did that off the top of my head, Rosie. You're, profe- you're the best. You know that. You know, before, earlier in the show, I said Thanks. you are the you are the most uh, knowledgeable MMA journalist in the world. That's what you're supposed to asterisk. Do. Asterisk, not big enough for the Michael K. show. Just, I just want to <laughs> put that on the resume. Um, so anyhow, you have these great title fights, but honestly, there's one fight on the main card that I'm dying to see how it plays out. Jose Aldo is the most decorated featherweight champion of all time. Featherweight, 145. He had that long reign, uh, didn't lose for a decade, and then, of course, met Conor McGregor, lost in 13 seconds. In fact, this week, the four-year anniversary of that crazy fight. Well, 
Now he's dropped down to 135. And by the way, since the Connor fight, he's fought a bunch of times and actually mm-hmm. looked good earlier this year. But he lost his last fight and decided to drop down to 135. I was very concerned all week long that he would not make weight. He looked very gaunt. He looked frail. He looked unhealthy. Well, he made the weight, but that's half the battle. How does he actually look? after making the weight? How does he actually fight after making the weight? Does he lose a bit on his fastball? Does he lose some power? Does he lose some speed? He's fighting a guy named Marlon Moraes, who used to train out in New Jersey, now trains out of Florida, former champion in another organization, World Series of Fighting, super tough, and almost a carbon copy younger version of Jose Aldo. So that fight in particular interests me outside of the title fights, and also Uriah Faber, household name, everyone knows him, in his 40s now, fighting a young Russian named Pyotr Yan. I told Faber himself, this was a mistake. Don't take this fight. This guy is too good, too young, too tough. He said, I want the best guy. I want to fight him. I'm curious to see how that plays out as well. Wow, that is a stack card. I, honestly, I knew Aldo was on the card. I didn't even realize Uriah Faber was on the card. That is a huge stack card for UFC Come on, Rosenberg, where's the research? I know, Don't sorry, have a sorry. researcher there for you at 98.7? <laughs> Yeah. My re- hey, Steve. No, I don't, there's no Steve here. <laughs> hey, uh, all right. I, I promise. Let me give you a moment. Two-game winning yes. streak. He's won two of his yes. first three games as head coach, Mike Miller. How are you feeling about your New York Knickerbockers? I got to say, when they hired him, I was like, yes, this is the right guy. Why is this the right guy? No, you know, no fanfare. No one knows who he is. Everyone thought it was, you know, the former sharpshooter for the, the Heat and Cavs and Nuggets and all that. It's just this basketball lifer. No glitz, no glamour, doesn't come in trying to win the press conference, doesn't come in to try to win the players over. He's just trying to win games. And he's calling set plays, straight out of timeouts. The defense has been phenomenal. Look, I'm not going to get crazy here. Sure, they're five and a half games out of the eight spot. I checked this morning. No big deal. (laughs) I mean, let's be honest, two-game winning streak. Why not? Let's get excited. On the road, West Coast trip. I know. Hey, hey, two games on a West Coast swing. Two in a row on a West Coast swing is good for anyone. Let's be honest. I'm in. So I just like the fact, look, I, I was never a believer in Fisdale, and I'm not saying this after the fact. I just didn't feel, if you have an issue with Marc Gasol, if Marc Gasol isn't buying into you, and you are butting heads with maybe one of the most likable people in the history of the sport, I think there's something wrong with you. I think that's a, an indictment on you. And so I had my concerns, and I don't think it played out. Uh, any real differently. I mean, he didn't develop the youngsters. He didn't get, but I just want to say, didn't get dealt the best hand. And I think that Steve Mills should be let go as well because this is his roster and, and he created this mess. That's neither here nor there. It's a different discussion for a different day. But to answer your question, I'm excited about Miller and I want to see how the young guys respond to him. And I love the fact that last night, you know, uh, we had Alfred Payton coming back. Great. It's nice. Play Neil Aquina, play the youngsters. Don't overplay uh, R.J. Barrett. Give Mitchell Robinson a chance to develop. Just stop playing the old guys and play the young guys, for God's sake. And, and you're, not, uh, you're not sitting here chomping at the bit to get a Jeff Van Gundy or a Mark Jackson. You want to see what could happen with Uh-oh. Mike Miller. No, 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 no. Let's not get crazy. I would, I would faint if Jeff Van Gundy was brought back. I would love that. He would be my top choice forever okay. and ever. He's my favorite Knicks coach of all time. Okay. I, I just don't know why he would want to come back. Why, why would you want to do this to yourself? He, he, why this would is you the want job to play he's wanted, but this, this he's, wanted, he's wanted this for a long time. Okay, if he wants it for a long time, then the first thing I say is get rid of the front office. All right, Dolan's not going anywhere. That's cool. I respect that. It's his team. He can do whatever he wants. But the front office can't be there. I'm not breaking any news here. The common denominator has been Steve Mills. I'm not a Steve Mills guy. I think that he has somehow avoided all the criticism. He has avoided the heat. The fact that the offseason turned out the way in which it did, the fact that they struck out multiple times, the fact that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving said, yes, I do want to come to New York, but I want to go to the B side, not the A side, is an indictment on him. He needs to go first. 
Uh, I like how you still brought How's in the for some hot takes, huh? How's no, that for you, some hot you, bring, takes? you bring the hot takes, and not only that, you're doing basketball, but then you bring bring in the fight vernacular with A side and B side. You're yes. the best at what you do. Um, enjoy UFC 245. You're truly the best. Thank you, Ariel. Thank you, Peter. Anytime. Later, Appreciate buddy. it. There he is, Ariel Helwani. Check out his MMA podcast wherever you get podcasts. As you can hear, he's absolutely one of the most entertaining and knowledgeable people in all of sports, and he does a great job covering everything MMA. Um, and you can catch him, of course, on set tonight uh, doing stuff for ESPN as part of their coverage of UFC 245. This is Fight Night with Peter Rosenberg on 98.7 ESPN.